Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. The presenting sponsor of this episode of Hey Amarillo is Estacar Companies. The Estacar team brings innovative management experience to growth-oriented businesses. Find Estacar online at estacar.com, E-S-T-A-C-A-R.com. Estacar, force for your vision. Today's guest is Jason Crespin. Jason is the director of the Amarillo Little Theater Academy. Uh, under his direction, under his leadership, the Academy has won a bunch of national awards. Uh, super impressive. If you're familiar with ALT at all, you've seen him on stage. He's a regular performer in ALT Productions. But even if you don't go to the theater, you've probably run into Jason on Facebook or somewhere because this guy over the past couple of years has appeared in Instagram photos with the cast of Hamilton. Um, you may have seen him on Hollywood Game Night where, spoiler alert, he won $25,000. Um, you may have seen him as a finalist to co-host Live with Kelly Ripa. This guy is all over the place. He lives here in Amarillo. He has become a really great ambassador for the city of Amarillo, especially the city of Amarillo's arts scene. Um, and this is a fun episode. So here's Jason Crespin. Jason, you have had, uh, over the past couple of years, kind of a whirlwind of <laughs> experiences and honors and, and different things that have happened. It has. It has been a little crazy. <laughs> I, uh, um, I, I want to hear a little bit about those. Uh, but but let's start by sort of establishing kind of how you got to where you are now. So sure. uh, tell me what you do as as the director of the ALT Academy and sort of how you kind of came into this role. Uh, sure. I uh, am starting my 11th year here at the Amarillo Little Theater and my 10th year as the Academy Director here at ALT. Um, and... Basically, I grew up in New Mexico, Los Alamos, New Mexico. Um, my dad worked at the Los Alamos National Lab out there. Uh, and come my seventh, eighth grade year, my dad said, you know, we're actually going to move to Texas. And I thought it was the worst news possible. I was like, what? Are you kidding me? Um, you know, I lived in the mountains. It was great. Uh, family all, all in New Mexico and whatnot. And um, so he transferred between my um, seventh and eighth grade year, in fact, out here to Pantex. Um, and after a, we were just here that summer and lo and behold, this other job came available back home. So we up and moved back to Los Alamos after living here just three months. It was kind of crazy. Um, so then I went back to school in eighth grade in New Mexico and we found out that that job was not what my dad was expecting. So here comes, you know, Pantex calling again and my dad got another transfer back to, to Amarillo, Texas. Um, and so between my eighth and ninth grade year, we moved out here and we knew it was going to be, you know, for good. Um, and I, I, it's funny cause I remember when we drove out here, I kept thinking, oh my gosh, this is like the flattest, like there's nothing here that there's just this flat land and whatnot. And my dad described it as probably how Columbus felt sailing in the ocean. Like at any point he was going to fall off, you know, the ocean and whatnot of the ed edge of the world. Um, but we, we, I loved, uh, I went to Highland Park high school and I loved it. It was a small school where we got to do a lot of stuff. And I really came out of my shell at that point. Um, I was, I was a pretty shy kid growing up. Um, but I think being, being part of a small school like that, it helped me, you know, be engaged in so many different activities and whatnot. Um, and so my sophomore year of high school, um, one of my friends said, 
you know, I'm going to go audition for the show called West Side Story at the Amarillo Little Theater. Um, you should come. And so I said, okay, and rented the the VHS from Blockbuster back when we had Blockbusters on Georgia Street. And uh, and I, I watched it and I thought, oh my gosh, there's some brown people in this show. I'm brown. This this is good for me, I guess. And so I went to the auditions and, and like the story always goes, my friend did not get in the show, but I did. I always, I always say I think it's because of my my ethnic background and whatnot that, that pushed me into the show. And that basically started my love for Amarillo Little Theater, started volunteering all throughout high school, uh, became a part of the academy program my junior year, um, and, and throughout college and whatnot, always was volunteering and doing shows. Um, I went to a, a AC for, for a semester, and then I went out to Walt Disney World, in fact, and I did the college program my freshman year um, of college and absolutely loved it. Um, fell in love with with Disney and the corporation and whatnot, and um, I was bellhop at the Tower of Terror. That was my okay. day job, and then I did because uh, you're terrified, of course, right? Of course, <laughs> um, and so uh, it, that was a, an amazing experience. Um, and then I worked backstage for the Beauty and the Beast show, um, Hunchback of Notre Dame show, and the Fantasmic Outdoors show. Um, and it's funny because um, back then I was a theater major, and because of my time at Disney, I, I kind of concluded that I didn't want to do theater as as a major anymore. Nothing nothing against Disney. It's just so, I mean, it was cutthroat. It was, you know, how you looked, if you didn't have the right teeth, if you didn't have the right look, if you didn't have, I mean, there were so many elements in addition to your talent. And so um, I came back home um, after that semester and kind of was like, well, I don't know. I love theater so much. I don't think I want to make it my job. I think I want to make it more just my hobby. And so at that time, my dad was going through some some difficult times with health and he actually lost eyesight in his right eye due, due to some um, uh, Vietnam stuff, complications with that. Um, and so for some reason I thought I was going to be an eye doctor. I thought, well, I'll be an optometrist. That sounds like a great job and, you know, nine to five. And, and so that summer I took some, um, science classes that I needed and I realized that I hate science and I hated anything to do with, with it, that. And so I thought, well, there goes that out the window. Um, and so my, my, and I, it was crazy. I was going to go to Texas tech. I had this great optometry scholarship. It was going to be awesome. Uh, and then I called my parents and I thought, you know, this isn't going to really work out that well. And and so I uh, went to WT and did mass communications and fell in love with the program um, and put myself through college by going at, working at Chili's um, here at I-40. And then uh, once I graduated, I thought the phone was going to ring off the hook with job offers left and right. Um, and that didn't happen. Um, and so I was going to actually uh, be a, a manager at Chili's. I was going to open the Chili's on Coulter. Um, that's kind of the guy that they had me going on. And and, you know, I loved working at Chili's, but I hated management. I just thought, man, these hours are crazy. Um, I'm having to yell at people that we ran out of soup. Like, what kind of job is this going to be for me? And and so I quit, and I, I, I said, you know, I love it. Thank you so much, but it's just not going to be for me. And a part-time position was open at the theater, and I took it, making the lowest amount of money working part-time. I was, like, I think the poorest I ever was at that moment. But I, I knew I had to take it because I knew it was going to feed my soul more than anything. And uh, luckily, by the end of that year, um, the, the position of academy director became available. And 11 years later, 10 years later, here I am still working at the theater and loving every minute of it. Was, was there ever a point where you thought, uh, I'm, I'm going to get out of Amarillo? I mean, what, oh, what brought, sure. or tied you here? Was it yeah. the Chili's job? Was it the theater? Or? You know what's funny? I, I thought I was just going to be working at ALT for about five years. I, I, Alan said, give me five years to kind of stabilize the program and then, you know, do do because he, he knew I th- he think I think he knew that I was going to be on my way out of here, and honestly, it's it's I I love Amarillo. My parents, in fact, they moved back 
home. They retired, so I don't even have family holding me here anymore. Um, I fell in love with the city, and I really fell in love with the little theater. That really kept me here um, instead of shooting right out of college. I think had I maybe stayed at Disney a little longer, I think I might might have continued my path with the Disney Corporation. Um, and then I also think uh, what, what kind of, I mean, staying here, of course, but being a gay man in Amarillo, Texas isn't the easiest thing for sure. And so um, thought, you know, I'm going to move to Dallas. I'll move to Austin if I'm staying in Texas. Bigger bigger theater market or bigger marketing market, basically, and, and a little bit more um, opportunities for, for a young gay man in, in, you know, who's coming of age and whatnot. And and so I just stayed here for, I was, you know, working away, working away, and, and then met my husband. And so then things kind of changed. It was funny because I teased Alan for the longest time that um, Michael was on payroll. I was like, have you hired Michael? Because that's the only way you're keeping me in Amarillo for, for this long of a time and whatnot. And, and so that kind of helps help me kind of make more, more of my roots here in Amarillo. Let's, let's talk about that a little bit, if, um, if you don't mind. Yeah. Being a gay man in Amarillo, um, you and Michael are married. Yes. You're not shy about that. No. Um, stereotypically, the theater is a safe place. But Agreed. Amarillo, Texas, stereotypically, sure. probably would not be categorized like that. So right. tell me what that's like. And, and you know, what are, what are some of the ways that you've had to balance out loving this place with, you know, with uh, some of the struggles? Sure. Yeah, it definitely has been has been some struggles for sure. I mean, I am definitely blessed. Michael and I both are blessed that we work at in in an environment that is so accepting and, and whatnot. And that has never been an issue by any means. Me more so, especially if we just I mean, more lucky with the theater. I mean, what's what safe space that we have at, at ALT is fantastic. The way I, I kind of was was um, brought up at least being Hispanic, I never made it about me being Hispanic. It was, you know, this. Uh, my name is Jason Crispin. That's who I am. And so, um, I think when when I came out, um, I never really wanted a label necessarily, like where someone's like, "Oh, this is my gay friend Jason." No, it's just my friend Jason. Um, and so, so because I think I never made it a big issue. I feel like some of my friends have never had to really make it a big issue or or, or whatnot. Um, yes, of course, it's it's. I'm proud of it and whatnot, but. But that's not necessarily the label that defines me. Um, and so I think Michael and I, because we have that, yes, we go out and do things. I never necessarily feel like I have to keep anything hidden because we don't necessarily have everything just blatantly out there, if that makes any sense. We're, we both respect each other at work. Whenever I mean, it's, it's work, so he's never up here at rehearsals when he doesn't need to be and whatnot. And um, we're very professional with our work environment. So in, in my classrooms or whatnot, I'm not necessarily talking all about my husband because why would I? I mean, if I was straight, I wouldn't be constantly talking about my wife and, and stuff like that. So but I think because we keep our, our work environment so professional, um, I mean, there's people who, who families who I think w- wouldn't even know that I was necessarily gay or know that Michael's gay because we don't necessarily broadcast that constantly um, unless, of course, they see on Facebook or, or different stuff like that. But I, I, I do think it was it's a struggle, especially in Amarillo, Texas. Um, not necessarily that it's not as accepted and whatnot. There's just not as many opportunities. You know, there's not as many events that are catered towards um, the community and whatnot. It, it's definitely growing. I mean, when I was in high school, there was nothing or, or or at least I didn't know where to go or what to do or or ask the questions I had or whatnot. And so How I'm, old were you when you came out? Uh, that's kind of a two-part question. I was 19 when I kind of came to terms with it. Um, uh, I always knew something was up. I mean, about 10 years old. I always describe it where I, I knew I felt a certain way, 
and I knew what gay meant, or I knew what the word gay was, but I never knew that that was the same thing. It's kind of like saying, I know this is this color, and I know that that is blue, and then I realized, oh, that that's this color and that's blue. It was kind of that realization when I was about 10 years old. Um, but coming from a strong Catholic family, prayed, 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 and kind of hoped that it would go away and whatnot. And and then uh, basically when I was about, basically when I came back from Disney is kind of when I came to terms with it and, and thought, you know, I'm pretty sure I'm gay. Uh, and so I came out to friends and family, or friends uh, about 19. And then I waited until after college. It was, in fact... I graduated on a Saturday and told my parents on a Tuesday right after that. And that was more so, I think, just respect out of them. They weren't, I mean, necessarily funding my college. I mean, I was waiting tables left and right and working other jobs and whatnot. But I, I felt like a respect to them that, that once I was out of college, I was an adult. I was no longer, you know, a kid at any point. And so, yeah, it was, it was Saturday was my last show or, or Saturday was my graduation and we had a show going on. That Sunday was Mother's Day. Wasn't going to do it on that day. Monday didn't have the guts to, and then Tuesday gave gave them a call, and and so were they surprised? Uh, no, I don't think so at all. They were very supportive, which was fantastic. I mean, m- the way that that it all came about was was a huge relief to me, and I, I was I'm very blessed with the family that I have that's so accepting, and and end of Michael once they got to meet him and whatnot later on in life, and and just I'm very blessed with the family that I have for sure, um, and and not everyone's that lucky yet, you know they. There's, I know some stories out there that man break my heart for sure, and so you as <clears throat> as the director of the academy, sure. you work with a lot of kids. Yeah, um, you interact with a lot of families. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I know of you, the the kids and the families adore you, and I, I wonder if for a lot of people, especially really conservative people, sure, really conservatively politically or religiously, like yeah. you may be the one gay person they know the best. Sure, do you feel sure. like like you're a, a representative of the community? I mean, do you feel any pressure with that? Somewhat, or? yeah. Um, I, I've had many families now within the past 11 years that I've worked. Um, I've had families who, in both senses, who are very conservative and say, you know what, thank you for not necessarily pressing your beliefs or your issues or your your opinion on us or my kids or anything like that. And I tell them, that's not my job. My job is to teach them how to do theater, how to be responsible in, in the theater setting, how to project. That's my job. My job is not to teach them, you know, what, what my beliefs are of, of being gay or, or being Catholic or being a Mexican or, you know what I mean, anything like that. That's, that's not my job. My job is to teach them the art of theater and, and hopefully they have the passion of theater that I, that I have as well. So I've had parents who have said, thank you for not pushing that against on my kid or anything like that. I've had the opposite where I've had parents that say, I think my you know, kid is struggling. Can you give them any advice or can you give me advice of what to say to them about where, where they're leaning to and whatnot? And, um, and then I've had other families who, I mean, they're like, wait, you have a husband? Like, I didn't know this. And so it's just been a whole spectrum. Um, I do feel a little bit of, of a responsibility. I just want to be the best role model I can be, whether that be the best role model for an ethnic kid who who lives in, in a world where he doesn't see any of his color on TV or on film, or um, if it's it's a kid who, who may be gay or, or or straight or whatnot, just to be a responsible adult. I have a, I feel a, a sense of responsibility just to be an adult male, you know, to show show these young guys, you know, this is what it's like to be a responsible adult, um, to be respectful. Um, and so, so yes, I, I feel pressure of being a role model with tons of different hats on, not just, you know, the, the, the gay fabulous hat that I'm sure it would be. And, and I've, had, I've had families too who've just said, you know, 
have been so appreciative that when I'm at the theater and I'm working, it's all about the theater and it's all about work. And, and I, that's how I'm always going to live my life. I'm not going to bring any of my personal issues into my work or I'm not going to bring any of my strong beliefs in, in the world. I mean, I know we've, we have families who are, you know, super, super conservative. And, and I've been told, you know, that we had a whole view of the gay lifestyle that is nothing what you are. And we didn't realize that. And, you know, they, they've said thank you for opening our eyes. You know, um, it, uh, the best story I have is this, um, this kid that was pretty young in our academy. Um, and it was when I was getting married to Michael and, and it was kind of hard because some of, I mean, of course the academy parents, handful of them wanted to do a celebration for me and Michael, of course it's a big life changing event. Um, and so it was, it was kind of tricky cause they're like, give us an invite list of academy families that you want to come. And it's like, well, I don't know who would be okay with this, who wouldn't be okay with this. Or, so it's just like, okay, here's, here's some people that I know and love. And if they want to come great, if not, that is totally okay. Um, but one of the families of this, this young kid that we had in the Academy, um, the mom came up to me and she said, I have to tell you this funny story. And and she had never only had that, that talk with her son about, you know, Mr. Jason's gay and he's going to get married to a, a guy. And so she sat him down and she said, um, okay, Mr. Jason's going to get, be getting married. Um, and, and you know, that guy that, that sometimes comes to shows and talks to Mr. Jason and whatnot, and his name is Michael. And, um, and they're, they're going to get married this fall. And, and he said, what? Oh my gosh, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. And she was ready to explain the whole, you know, situation where a man can love a man and whatnot. And, and he said, they're not already married. I thought they've been married this whole time. Like totally like was <laughs> like, what took him so long? Kids you know, are aware of a lot oh, more than we give yes, them exactly. For. Yeah. And I just loved that story where it was like, she was ready to have this other conversation. It was like, oh, okay, yeah, you're cool, cool with it. We're cool with it, so that's great. But I just love that he was more upset that it took us as long as it yeah. did to get to get married than it, than us being in love and whatnot. And um, so, so of course, we've had huge spectrums from from either side. You know, I, I'm sure, and I'm, I'm unaware of them, but I'm sure that there's been Academy families that have said, you know, we're not comfortable with this and, and have stopped coming to, you know, the Academy, maybe gone other places or done other things, which is totally, I mean, that's fine. I'm not going to, feel any hurt towards that or, or feel any resentment towards that because I'm not, that's not my job to make somebody change their values or their views and stuff. Again, my job is just to teach quality theater. Um, and if I can be a positive role model for any of our kids in any sort of situation, then, then I'm as happy as I can be. Okay. So let's, let's move from, from being that kind of role model sure. uh, to a, a different kind of uh, sort of role model for, for Amarillo yeah. with what you've done the last couple of years. You've been the ultimate Broadway fan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you've uh, developed a strong relationship with Kelly Ripa. Uh, <laughs> True. You were on Hollywood Game Night. Yes. Uh, you were one of the, uh, I guess, performers of the year for the, the Globe News. Yeah. Headliners of the year. Headliners of the year, the, yeah. The official title. Tell me, tell me how sort of this, this whole process kind of sure. came about. It, it's crazy because I um, never really thought any of this would happen. Um, I guess it was now uh, 2000. 15, I think it was. I think that's right. Um, I was, me and Michael were going to go to New York um, in July of that year. And so my friend Jenny Morgan and I, we were having coffee and she was planning a trip to New York as well. And she said, hey, you need to look at this website and Facebook called newyork.com. They have some great content, some great stories. There's some ticket stuff. There's some info on tours. And so I, I went and looked at newyork.com and lo and behold, they were having this little contest about the ultimate Broadway fan. And they just said, send in 
a 30-second clip of why you're the ultimate Broadway fan. The top 10 finalists can win tickets to see On the Town. One grand winner will win a trip to New York for two to see a show, um, to go to the Tony's rehearsal, and that was it. And I thought, well, if anything, I just want to get in the top 10 so I can get some tickets when me and Michael go in July, one show's down, and, and save some money. And I was doing a, a production of Thoroughly Modern Millie at the Little Theater, so of course, no time. And in my little office, I thought, well, I'm just going to film this real quick and just send it in. And and I uh, rewrote the lyrics to a, a Broadway song from Rent, talking about how far Amarillo is from New York and how I've gone many times and showed some pictures of who I've who I've taken selfies with and whatnot. And and sent it in and just thought, well, if whatever happens, happens. Well, lo and behold, I was in the top 10. So I was like, great, I already got, did what I wanted to do. Uh, and after about two or three days of voting, I was in the lead without really campaigning. And I thought, oh, okay, this might this might turn into something that, that maybe I should kind of focus on. And so by like day four or five, I was like, okay, I got to get these votes. I want to win now. And so after that week of voting, lo and behold, I was on my way to rehearsal and got the call and and won the contest. And so um, it was crazy. Michael, they flew me and Michael up. We saw On the Town. It happened to be on my birthday that we were going to the rehearsal of the Tonys. At the show um, that we were seeing On the Town, they sang to me and this other lady in the show, um, Happy Birthday in this like kind of club scene. And um, this lady at the end of the show tapped us on the back and kind of got our story. And lo and behold, she was a producer for that show found out that we were going to the rehearsal the next day and gave us the next day. She was like, I'm going to give you a birthday present and gave us tickets to the Tonys and the gala afterwards at the Plaza Hotel. And I call her my Broadway fairy godmother. She was absolutely amazing. Miss Paula Marie Black. Um, and so we had a, an amazing time. Thought that was it. That was fantastic. Great time. Uh, came back, still had a really strong relationship with NewYork.com. Um, I, I said, if you ever need me to do anything, they were just thrilled that I did way more than they expected. I mean, I got to go to the Tonys, got all this great photos and content at the gala and whatnot, and they just loved me. Uh, so then uh, cut to a couple couple months later, randomly we were watching TV. It was that um, show with Neil Patrick Harris, like Biggest Night or Biggest Event Ever or whatnot, his, his little show that he had. And um, I went online the next day and was like, how do you get tickets for that and whatnot? And a little pop-up came up and it said how to apply for Hollywood Game Night. And I love Hollywood Game Night. It was a great show. And so I'm gonna, I was like, I'm going to apply. Well, that July, Michael and I had gone to see um, a dear friend of ours named Kelly O'Hara starring in King and I. And Jane Lynch was in the audience. And so I just went and talked to her. She's really sweet, nothing big. Um, so we had always watched Hollywood Game Night and whatnot. So again, I just went online and filled out the application and sent it in. Not thinking anything. Well, I sent it in around 10 o'clock, about 1 o'clock that afternoon. My phone rings, Los Angeles number. Answer it. It's the casting lady. She says she loves my application. Just kind of asked me a few couple questions. Cut to, she said, in about a day or two, they're going to call you with a pop culture quiz that you have to pass. Um, and so I said, okay. Called Michael and I said, you'll never guess what I just did this morning. I applied for Hollywood Game Night. They've already called me back. I don't know what's going to happen. Hang up the phone with him. The phone rings. It's them calling with a pop culture quiz. Not a you day or two later. No, at all. Up. At all. Because I thought, oh, I'll just, I'll get some magazines. I'll start watching E again. Instant, boom, 20 questions. I think I missed two um, and and was like, oh my gosh. They said, okay, great. You passed in the next round. I mean, it went super fast um, in those initial, initial steps. And then for about two or three weeks, 
we didn't hear anything. And so I was like, I don't know if I'm still in the running or not. And then I just kept randomly getting an email saying, you've advanced to the next round. And I didn't do anything. I guess they, they were just cutting back from, from everything. Oh, I, I did have to, after that phone call, the next day I had to do a Skype interview where I had to play two of the games with, with some of the casting people. And, and, and that went well. Uh, and then I got an email that had some wardrobe options of me in different wardrobes that they could see me in. And so I sent that. Still waited, waited, waited. Um, all while I'm working on shows here at the Little Theater. And then I got a call that they they picked me as a finalist. Not that I was going to be on the show, but they were going to fly me and Michael out to Los Angeles to do uh, an interview with the producers in, uh, in person. Um, and so flew out there. And uh, it, was, it was a little nerve-wracking because... We didn't know if I was going to be on it or not. Interview with them. They were like, yep, we want you. Um, you're going to play at 2 o'clock today. Oh, wow. Went back to the hotel, got something to eat, went back, changed, went straight into the show. Four hours later, won $25,000. It was crazy to just sitting on that couch. I, I remember playing the game thinking, I'm going to be in the box. Like, I'm going to be in the box of the television, like, seeing myself. That was just an insane feeling for sure. Uh, so then that all happened. We had to keep it a secret. We filmed it in November and it didn't air until February. Had to keep it a secret the whole time. In that meantime, NewYork.com was really happy with all the publicity I was getting. So they brought me back out in May to cover the Tony nominations. And I went and covered the Tony Awards that year. Super, super fun. That was the year that I, I was in the front row, um, uh, the year that James Corden hosted. And I got to sing karaoke with James Corden during the commercial break, which was insane. Um, got to see Hamilton and meet the Hamilton cast. And it was just crazy. So then come a year, a year ago, in fact, this week, um, we had just won some national awards. I was out in Denver collecting those awards. Um, and my sister-in-law had, I had seen it that morning as well, but my sister-in-law said, hey, they're they're looking for a co-host for Live with Kelly. She's doing this kind of co-host competition. You should enter. So here I go again. I was like, well, I'll make this quick little video and send it in and got uh, my friend Bernie Sanders over at uh, Sir Speedy to print me out a cutout of Kelly Ripa and did a quick little thing on over at the main stage. And um, sent it in and and it got picked up and I was one of the fi finalists of the top 40, which was crazy. Did some voting, did another video, it dwindled down to top 20, top 10. Then the morning, opening night of our Huck Finn opening, that morning found out I was in the top five and was going to get flown that Sunday to New York to compete live on the show. And that weekend was just a whirlwind weekend. Poor Michael, because we had opening of the show. The next morning, that Saturday morning, our dog was sick. We took her, took her to the vet, and we had to found out we found out we had to put her down that oh. day. Put down our dog Saturday. Did two shows for Huck Finn. Flew out Sunday morning. Competed Monday and Tuesday. Got eliminated Wednesday morning. Could have stayed in New York because our we had a trip planned with ALT that Friday, but decided to come home that Thursday because I got was getting an award from the chamber for the top uh, twenty under forty. Then flew back out to New York on that Friday. So that that whole two-week period is just kind of... I look at photos and think, oh, yeah, I forgot I met that person or did that and whatnot. Um, but so that experience was just fantastic. You're, you're pretty much just really good at that introductory <laughs> video. I guess so. I guess they're, what they're looking for right now is like an ethnic guy who works with kids, who's, you know, outgoing and whatnot. Really excited. And exactly, yes, camera. yes. And I will say the the whole process for Hollywood Game Night really prepped me for Live with Kelly. So when I had to do some producer interviews, I was ready. And, and they would ask me a question, and I already knew a story in my back of my head that I had told the Hollywood Game Night people that they loved. And so I, I, I told them the same story, and it worked. And so... So that helped a lot. Kind of Hollywood Game Night kind of trained me for for live with Kelly. And it's a skill to perform 
on camera. It, it really, situation. well, and, and it's funny because I think a lot of the people were great who were finalists, um, in the, in the top 20 and, and even top 10. Um, I think a lot of them weren't good live. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, uh, the top five, the five of us that, that got to the final five, I mean, all of them are, are amazing and they're all doing amazing things. Richard Curtis, who won, of course, went on and did some more episodes with them and has done some stuff in Philadelphia. Um, Dax is, is out in LA and he's doing his own kind of streaming of Hollywood stuff. Dina Blizzard, she's gotten huge fame. She, a bunch of, of your listeners will know her from uh, recently of, she's the mom in the Facebook videos of back to school shopping for the teacher. She's buying like the microwave and all that crazy stuff. She's coming out with her own um, board game called Chardonnay Go right now. It's awesome. Um, and Beth is out in Atlanta. She's doing fantastic stuff as well, hosting and whatnot. So, so I feel like we've gotten like the top five of the, the best people in, in the nation who are doing some great stuff. Um, and yeah, that was a, a crazy fun event again, because of that New York.com switched to showtickets.com and they brought me back out again to cover the nominations this year. I was on the red carpet for the Tonys, um, interviewing some people and, and talking to people and whatnot. And that was a crazy fun event. Um, so kind of each little thing has kind of led itself back to me going back to New York and it's, it's sad right now. I don't have a trip on, uh, on the books, but I think we counted, like I went to New York like five times in the past, like just two years and, and maybe paid for one of them. You know what I mean? It was kind of a, a sweet deal for sure. Those kinds of opportunities sometimes turn into career opportunities. Sure. Are you, sure. Are you open to that? Do you see anything progressing in that direction? I mean, possibly I've had, in fact, a, another company called ShowScore approach me. They're doing some web web series and, and pilots and whatnot. And I'm currently working on two pilots for them. I pitched them five, five ideas, hoping just one would, would, would stick and they fell in love with two of them, but I'm working on two pilots for them, which is crazy to think that I'm writing a pilot and working on it and, and going to send it to them. And, um, so we'll, we'll see what, what happens with those. But, uh, a lot of people have asked, you know, because of all the things that have been going on, would you ever see yourself in New York or moving there? And, and I really don't, and, and not because I don't love it, but, but I love, you know, our house that we have here in Amarillo and with Michael working at Sparkman and me at the little theater with, I, I, I can't see myself leaving unless it's something just absolutely amazing that I couldn't turn down. I, I'm thrilled to, to get hired, to go out there, maybe, you know, a, a couple times a year and do some work, whether it be for the Tony Awards or covering different aspects of New York for, for different shows and, and whatnot. Um, if I was single and if I was a little bit younger, I think maybe I would have been like, yep, I'm going to go ahead and, and try this, try this out and go out there and, and see what career I can make. Um, I, I do feel there's a lot of missed opportunities because I'm not in the city. Um, I think that, that, I definitely could have capitalized on all the momentum that I had, especially with Live with Kelly if I was in the city. But in the same sense, if I was doing all that, I wouldn't be working with these great kids and, and being inspired by them daily and and working on Beauty and the Beast production and and having, you know, getting an opportunity to play Bert and Mary Poppins and and feeding my soul in that capacity as well. And so I definitely think I'm I'm where I'm supposed to be right now in my life. And if things come about in the in the future that change, um, I'm definitely willing to at least process that and of course talk to Michael about it and see if it's the best option for the both of us. But but right now I'm I'm loving that I get to go and play and, and work a little bit and then come back and and hopefully share these stories with Amarillo and inspire, you know, the community of Amarillo as well. I've had adults who have come up to me and said you know, we've been inspired by you. I know you're inspiring your kiddos, but um, I've always wanted to start my own Etsy shop and I've never have. And now 
you went and did live with Kelly and, and why not? So I'm going to do it and see how it goes. And I always tell people the worst people can say is no. And if they say no, you're in the same boat that you always were in before. So might as well put some energy out there. And, and, and I'm big on positive vibes. Like the more positive you put out there, I think the more positive comes back for sure. The sponsor of today's episode is Estacar Companies. Estacar is based in Amarillo, and it's a group of experienced professionals who come from a diverse set of industries and business models. What they do is is they bring practical executive experience to businesses of all sizes. Let's say you're a CEO, um, and you're just looking for fresh ideas. You're looking for momentum. You have a vision for where you want your company to go, but you're frustrated with the progress you've been making. That's where Estacar comes in. Coming alongside the CEO's staff, the Estacar team focuses on developing the company vision into a financially sound, market-based growth strategy. And then Estacar will help oversee the implementation of that strategy. So whether you need them on a monthly basis, if you need them on a daily basis, Estacar will, will come alongside you and offer management services, financial services, HR and employee sourcing solutions, marketing support, executive coaching, and much more. Find Estacar online at estacar.com, E-S-T-A-C-A-R.com. Estacar, force for your vision. Okay, we're back. We're with Jason Crespin of the Little Theater and ALT Academy today. Uh, Jason, this is the part of the show we call Eight Straight. All right. I'm going to ask you eight very specific questions. Uh, and I want you to answer those with as much honesty as, as you can. All right. Eight straight reminds me of my college days. Just kidding. Oh, okay. oh, bang, bing. If this was the kind of show that had like sound effects, I'd <laughs> yes. put like a, a funny old-fashioned horn sound. Yeah. Or something there. <laughs> okay. When people on Broadway ask you to describe Amarillo, what do you tell them? You know, I tell them Amarillo is is uh, more than just the song. A lot of people are like, oh, yeah, I know Amarillo from that George Strait song. And I'm like, there's way more. Or they are like, oh, I passed through there. That's the biggest thing in New York when people are like, I traveled the, the country. They're like, oh, I drove through Amarillo once. And I'm like, stop next time. Amarillo is awesome. Um, the biggest thing I let them know is, is we have a great arts community in Amarillo and so much support. Um, I think a lot of times people think, you know, Oh, that podunk Amarillo, Texas up in, in the panhandle. And I'm like, no, we have some great arts entertainment in Amarillo. And I do think that people are, at least in the venues of, of L.A. and New York and, and where I've been, um, getting the word Amarillo out there as much as I can has really kind of helped hopefully shine a spotlight on, oh, there's this great, especially with ALT, there's some great community theater in, in Amarillo with us winning national awards with the youth program here at the Academy. Um, I hope, hope to have at least shine a spotlight on the arts entertainment here in Amarillo more so. When someone visits the city, where do you take them out to eat? Ooh, uh, usually we take them to Crush um, Wine Bar downtown. We, Michael and I love Crush. <laughs> uh, just the rotating menu and whatnot, the vibe we really love. We can't wait for the new spot, you know, with the rooftop bar and stuff like that. Um, we, we normally take them there. It was funny. Um, uh, we used to, I used to take people all the time to village bakery. Oh, mm. I miss village bakery so much. Um, so I used to always take them there, but, but now it's usually crushed just to get some good dinner, some good hummus and some good drinks. When was the last time you went to Paladero Canyon? Okay. So anyone who knows me is not, knows that I'm not as outdoorsy as I probably should be, but I was thinking about this. Uh, the last time I went to the Canyon was this summer to see Texas. Um, I've seen Texas many a time, but we had students that were in the show and a past student of mine was, was playing Calvin Armstrong. Um, and so we went out this summer to go see the show and experience that again. Other than ALT, what's your favorite arts organization? I think my favorite arts organization, um, 
is is kind of unique because it's actually the WT theater program. Um, they're doing some excellent, excellent work, especially with the venues that they have and the instructors that they have. Um, they're they're really pushing the envelope on some cool new theater um, and and also the classics and, and whatnot. You know, they're they're doing Shakespeare this year and whatnot. But I've seen some of their stuff that I'm like, man, this is. This is really good for, especially for college theater. Um, it makes me wish that I was back in college. I mean, who doesn't wish that they were back in college? But um, there's times when I'm, I think, man, I wish I could go back and, and audition for some of these shows and, and have the facilities that they have. I mean, they weren't there when I was at, down at WT. And um, and who knows, maybe I would have you know, gone more more that theater path had those resources been available at WT. But I think that they're, they're doing an excellent job and and feeding the program of artists in not only Amarillo, but but in our nation. What does Amarillo have too much of? Oh, right now, too much construction. <laughs> I think that's just like an overall feeling in town. And I'm horrible. I don't necessarily, I live like in Wolfland and work at the Little Theater. So I do not have that big of a commute. I think there's two stop signs before I have to get to my my job. So I have nothing to complain about. But I, I guess because I hadn't been out and about in a while and Oh my gosh, I was like, wait, what lane am I supposed to turn into and what's going on here? And but right at this moment, man, it seems like construction is just I don't like the color orange right now. It's just kind of bumming me out. What does Amarillo not have enough of? I think Amarillo doesn't have enough I want to say like big events or big kind of name changing events in, in the in the sense of if we want a big fun concert, like we have to go to I mean, Lubbock, hopefully they'll have something, or Albuquerque, Oklahoma City are the nearest venues. Of course, Dallas has some huge stuff, but I really wish we would, you know, get that that big headliner concert come in Amarillo and make those Albuquerque people and Oklahoma City people come to Amarillo for a change. And um, Michael and I especially, we love to travel. We've gone to Denver for different shows or different things like that. We went to the U2 concert. I think you were at the U2 concert as well Dallas, in Dallas. Yeah. Yes, it was fantastic. Of course, I don't expect us getting U2 here in Amarillo, but I just wish we had a little bit more kind of cred, street cred of getting some cool artists to come in and, and perform and, and, and just have a bigger kind of sense of, of ownership of that, some pride in that and, and not having to always go to Lubbock or always go somewhere else. And, um, so I, I wish we had some kind of bigger, bigger names coming to Amarillo to perform and, and do some big things here. When was the last time you wore cowboy boots? <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> I had to think about this. Uh, the last time I wore cowboy boots, honestly, I think was when I played the role of Melvin P. Thorpe in the best little whorehouse in Texas here at ALT, um, which was many years ago. Um, my, my shoes are more so the, the, uh, dancing or, or comfortable shoes more than the cowboy boots but but yeah i i think honestly the only times i've ever worn cowboy boots has been in on production stage. on stage yeah <laughs> oklahoma different shows like that so so sad yeah okay last one i'm, I'm gonna ask you to pick a side pack okay a sack or toot and toe oh this is so hard um i'm probably gonna go with toot and totem um one because it's the one that's closest to my house but yeah i just i think toot and totem just I, I've gone gone off of sodas and and whatnot, but man, I used to just go in there and grab a big thirty two ounce Dutch pepper and add some vanilla and cherry, and it was ah oh, get some Eads jerky and just I was go to town. It was great. Uh, now that I'm eating eating and drinking a little more healthier, I've gone less to Toot and Totems, but but yeah, I'm more more of a Toot and Totem boy. Okay, that that concludes eight straight. Jason, the the thing I like to end the podcast with is by asking uh, the guests to give an endorsement sure. related to the city. So yeah. what would your endorsement be? 
Uh, my endorsement. Anyone who knows me is going to say, of course, Jason said this, but I would like to endorse. There's this great little place called the Ruffle Cup. Um, it's kind of my my safe haven, if you will, outside of ALT. With, um, of course, they have amazing cupcakes and, and whatnot. But I want your listeners to know, if they are in love with banana pudding, go to the Ruffle Cup and have their banana pudding. You think, what? It's a cupcake place. Why would they have the best banana pudding? No, it is the best banana pudding I have ever had in my life. It is so good. I joke with Deanna Hurt, the owner, that she has some sort of like drugs in that. And that's why I'm addicted to it so much. So, um, And her sugar cookies as well are fantastic. So, But ask for the banana pudding and you will not be disappointed. <laughs> Jason Crespin, thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Jason, for having me on. This was great. I really appreciate it. And that concludes another episode of Hey Amarillo. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it. Uh, We'll be back next week with another great guest. In the meantime, you can find uh, the two episodes we have so far at heyamarillo.com. You can find us at Hey Amarillo on Twitter and Facebook. Um, If you like the episode, please review it. Tell a friend. Share it. Iris Skywriter, whatever you'd like to do. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week.